Oh, we're not done talking Virginia Tech and Virginia in the 55-17 beatdown in Charlottesville. Now, we're not going to start the fast lane off with that, but we're not done with that. Damien Sortelet, who was there for Roanoke.com and Doug Dowdy from DullesDistrict.com, 5.30, 5.45 p.m. respectively. Uh, but we are shifting our focus forward, not to the future of those programs right now, but the Liberty Flames. So here's a bold statement and a hot take to begin the fast lane and hopefully rope things back on track. Playing UTEP is not the same as playing a 10-win New Mexico State team. I know, Trey. Break out the fire extinguisher for that hot take. Uh, I don't even know you know, what else there is for you to say. That's probably why there wasn't much else for you to add. Yeah, I, I, I mean... Uh, it's the fighting Jerry kills, so you got to be. That's a dangerous team. They are. They're very good, and there are a lot of things. If I'm a Liberty Flames fan, to be worried about, I, I found it fascinating. Shout out to Richie Longshots, John Manson, and whoever else they had on the A Sea of Red podcast. But I, I get where they're coming from. The idea that this game is going to be a close one, and it says something about that, at least yeah. in their eyes, that they expect this to be competitive. Now, ha- has the line adjusted too much from? Initially being 14, 14 and a half, all the way down to 10, 10 and a half, depending on where you look. I actually think you can make the case that it has, but it is based upon New Mexico State going to Auburn and not just winning, but dominating the Hugh Freeze-led Auburn Tigers. By the way, we'll see if Damian Sortelette, formerly of NewsAdvance.com, now with Roanoke.com, happened to have an, oh, we meet again moment. With Hugh Freeze, since Dame is down there at the Virginia Tech-Auburn game, which you can hear coverage starting around, what, 8.30 p.m. tonight on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and VTR in Southside yes, 106.3. Thank you for uh, validating that, trait. I mean, are you not acknowledging the fact that a, a bunch of uh, Virginia media is uh, seeing their good old pal Buzz Williams as well? Oh, yes. And I am not going up there. If this was a weekend game, oh, I would be glad to be there. But I'm a little more particular about weeknight games, especially when they're not at Liberty University, just because the amount of travel that's involved and to get into the weeds, I do a lot with sales. And uh, just that can add up very quickly, even when games are at Liberty on weeknights, much less somewhere else. But... For Virginia Tech, in Virginia, that will go to the back burner. That game took a lot of precedence. But believe it or not, Trey, when you've got a blowout unfolding and it gets to a 38-3 margin because of the infamous, for so many reasons, Basial Tootin kick return for a touchdown that made it 38-3, you can actually start to focus even more on the other game that, yes, confession to the folks at Virginia who may have been upset that I was streaming this, but I happen to be streaming the Liberty New Mexico State game in the process of watching the Virginia Virginia Tech game. And, you know, you kind of can look around to see, oh, amazing. This is all of a sudden <laughs> not going to be a very competitive game so I can divert my attention elsewhere. To Liberty's credit, it was a business-like win. We've mentioned that phrase quite a bit, a mature victory. But 42-28 wasn't even the real margin to that game because UTEP gets a touchdown to make it 42-21. to And then they get a turnover off Liberty, flip that into another touchdown, thanks to Liberty's second stringers, to get it to 42-28. And obviously Liberty was able to finish the game off and limit the damage from there. But realistically for Liberty, 
it goes to something that has clearly become who they are as a team. Look, at this juncture of the year, Trey, you're, you've spelled your identity out as a team. And frankly, as a program. NFL teams, if they're well-coached enough, often will evolve depending on the personnel and what that allows them to do. Again, selfishly, Philadelphia Eagles is an example. They honestly would love to throw the ball 30 to 35 plus times a game. The old Andy Reid philosophy. But they have adapted to having Jalen Hurts and understanding that his threat as a runner and having a viable running game and limiting how many times Hurts actually throws the ball can actually be a very good thing. Kansas City, we know they have Mahomes and Reed, best quarterback coach duo right now in the NFL, without a doubt. But they've got those two. But they're not a lot of playmakers as pass catchers. They've got a great defense, so they've changed it up. That's what good teams do. There's Those are the adjustments you make between seasons. Liberty's not there. Right now, Liberty is focused on this season. And Jamie Chow and Liberty have declared themselves to who they are this season. They're clearly a running team. They showed that graphic like three or four times on the CBS on CBS Sports Network in the UTEP game, the victory for Liberty this past Saturday. That Liberty is the top rushing team, including ahead of the service academies like Air Force, Army, and Navy's not too far behind in terms of team rushing this year. That's outstanding for Liberty. But it does afford them a number of things. So looking ahead to this Friday's game, we will know more about the weather update when Trey fills in for me in the fast lane tomorrow. Got some family activities. And then when I'm back on Friday, good Lord willing, and we preview the game in even greater depth, getting ready for the Friday night showdown over on the mountain. But for Liberty, what that running game has allowed them to do and can allow them to do, and I think ultimately will allow them to do Over the course of the game, I think Liberty will win. Now, the margin, find out on that in our votes of confidence on Friday. But it's the ability to control the game on the ground. 441 of Liberty's yards were rushing, meaning Caden Salter only threw for 58 yards. Excuse me, not 58 yards, 18 yards. God, my math is terrible right now. 28 yards. 469 in total offense, 441 on the ground. My goodness. But anyway, Liberty... Clearly, I mean, whatever the percentages, 441 yards were on the ground. That's the key point we're trying to make here in the fast lane. And for Liberty, when you're able to do that and you have multiple games of 300 plus yards rushing and the fact that over the second half of the season, not all of that has been Quentin Cooley dominating. Okay, he's had a couple of games going over 150, but if you look at the stat sheet against UTEP, and I know we're already kind of getting into the weeds, but ride this out with us. Quentin Cooley was the leading rusher for Liberty, along with Aaron Bedgood. They had 83 yards. Caden Salter, I guess, technically, if you want to count quarterback rushing, at 94 yards. But even if you throw that out, Liberty's over 300 yards from their backs running the football. Cooley, Bedgood, Lucas, Joyner, Blue, Caper, Austin. What that all says for Liberty is it's allowed two things to happen. You don't have to go to the air with Caden Salter. He wasn't very great, good. 4 of 11 passing. He did have the touchdown pass to C.J. Daniels early, but really there wasn't a lot that he did through the air. But Liberty doesn't have to do that. Now, they're going to need more out of Caden Salter throwing the ball against Diego Pavia in New Mexico State. I think that goes without saying. But what Liberty can do is the balanced attack to control the flow of the game. And if you want to hear something Jamie Chabal said after that win against UTEP and what it means going forward, it's the overall playing well and the fact that, listen to this, his only real complaint is what happened when the backups were firmly in the game. Yeah, you know, uh, we knew 
they'd come out and, and give us their best shot their senior day and all that. But our guys were, were focused on finishing. That was our word this week was finishing. And uh, we played pretty well. There were some things we won't back, obviously. But to be able to rush for that, I thought our defense played well. You know, really the disappointment, only disappointment I have is we turned the ball over. Uh, and you can't do that. And then when we had our we had our twos in there, you know, in the last whole fourth quarter, they got to perform a little bit too. But uh, you're 12 and 0 here after after the turnover when I got here in December, and then the turnover again in the spring. If you just said, hey, we're 12 and 0, uh, you know, I would I would have said you're crazy. But this team bought into each other, and uh, just what a tremendous season. I mean, when you're ending the season and you're in games like UMass, Old Dominion before that, Louisiana Tech, and then certainly UTEP. And you're complaining about your second stringers. I mean, that's a really good sign for Liberty. It means the starters are locked in. It means the guys that are going to play against New Mexico State are locked in. And it goes on both sides of the ball. One of those is the defensive side for Liberty where you're able to control what New Mexico State did offensively. Because it was a, let's just be honest, horrible offensive output for a New Mexico State team that quickly fired their coach afterwards. As somebody who may have had New Mexico State over five and a half wins, can't say that one is one that I would disagree with. But 221 yards passing for New Mexico State, 50 rushing, meaning they went under 300 yards of total offense. Liberty's defense clearly shut down the Miners. We did a great job there. You know, I, I was surprised they came out trying to throw a little bit more, and and I don't know if they, I don't know, I don't know what their game plan was from that standpoint. But when they did try to run, we did well. You know, and we're gonna have to do that. We know, uh, you know, that was a big emphasis of what they've done all year long, and for us to be able to hold them like that and play well, uh, I was really pleased with their defense. And and we're gonna have to be clicking. Uh, next week. They are. They're going to have to be clicking because Diego Pavia is playing better than he did in the second game of the year. Remember I the think game? he was hurt going to that game. I'm trying to remember. Like, wasn't he hurt going into that game? I I might be wrong on this. No, I believe he was, Trey. But I think he was banked up. That was the game where Liberty was close at halftime, and their defense was not spectacular, which is why we played the soundbite I mean, about Jamie Chow needing to be better defensively. Outside it, of the quarterback for Western Kentucky, this is probably... and I mean, Pavia's played really... Austin Reed... Uh, this is the best quarterback they'll face this year. Austin Reed came in with more hype. Is it reasonable to say, though, that Diego Pavia has actually done more on the field this year? Yeah, uh, 2,700 yards passing, 23 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and that's not even considering his rushing. No. I mean, look, Trey, that that's fantastic production for Diego Pavia. Clearly, when he's clicking and playing with Swagger and Moxie, he gets this team to believe. Do I think it'll be the disaster that we saw at the end of the 806 yards rushing and five touchdowns is his rushing Do I think it'll be the disaster at the end of last season? No. But do I think it'll be less decisive than the way Liberty ended that game in the second game of the year? I do, because I'd be doubtful that Liberty's going to have a nine-plus minute drive and hold the ball for 11-plus minutes out of a quarter like they did in that third quarter against New Mexico State, which is, again, to your point, is the, the statue rattled off, Trey, highlight that you're going to have to be able to take it up a notch defensively for Liberty. Now, it looks like they're doing that. Here's the other thing, though. Again, I don't expect Liberty to have the dominant third quarter in any quarter this time against New Mexico State, like they did in the second game of the year against the Aggies. But what I do believe for Liberty is an X factor in this game. It's not going out on a limb by any means, considering we just noted that their rushing game had over 400 yards of rushing against UTEP. They've had a number of other games where they've gone over the 300-yard mark, and it's been the rush that sets up the pass for Liberty. But the balanced rushing attack that Liberty, that they've had, have allowed a couple of things, including the ability to control games whenever they need to assert and establish control. You know, we tried to get a lot of people in there, and, and um, you know, this late in the year, you're trying to keep as many guys as fresh and those fresh legs. And, um, 
it was it was it was good to see everybody get involved. Obviously, Von Blue got back. It was good to him get him out there. James Joyner, what a great run there at the touchdown. So getting guys and the confidence they're playing. Uh, it's big, you know, and, and normally we have a 100-plus rusher here or there, but uh, our guys did a nice job of being balanced, and uh, our O-line did a great job. So getting guys and playing with the confidence, what you're saying with Jamie Chabwell and, and what he means, and we're not going to do the whole what he said and what he meant soundbite right now, but what, what you're basically saying is through that, one, we want to have enough guys that if we need to change things up for different looks, different packages, because New Mexico State is playing really well, we believe we've got enough variety, enough ways to beat a team. Uh, again, use particularly the NFL as an example where teams are more evenly matched than college football, where the haves and have-nots, the gap is so much wider. But here's a philosophy in the NFL that I think relates to the Liberty game against New Mexico State because then they are relatively evenly matched. Jerry Kill's a fantastic coach. Jamie Chowell also at Liberty. Uh, I give Liberty the slight edge, but it's not by a lot. But it's this. If you have multiple ways to beat an opposing team, that's where you can be dangerous. And Liberty, it's multiple players running the ball. And the fact that Jamie Chabal, Willie Korn, and the offense are so gifted at scheming and devising different ways and calling different plays in different spots to keep the defense off balance, which is what you're going to need, for one, if it's raining, 50% chance of rain Friday night over at Liberty University. And if you need to get things going with Caden Salter and he's slow in the air like he's been at times, or if he's impacted by potentially inclement weather. That's where Liberty has a second way to beat you. And it's not just on the ground. It's multiple ways on the ground to beat an opposing team and the defense that Liberty's play with. That's where I sit there and go for Liberty. Uh, Again, I think the win margin to be determined Friday in our votes of confidence, but that is the big thing for Liberty. Speaking of winning on the margins, you only have a few hours left to win on the margins at InsaneRadioDeals.com because after tonight... That 55.5% off special, bye-bye, it is gone. Or in the immortal words of the great film Good Burger, adios, TKO, historical. It will be in the past. Yes, I just quoted Good Burger in the fast lane. Hey, pretty soon the soundbite will make its way here, so get ready for that. But that special is only available through midnight tonight. So enter the promo code Black Friday at checkout for 55.5% off any item, Crosswide Athletic Club, individual couple, or family, three-month memberships, Sequest of Lynchburg experiences, there may be still a couple left, Yamada Japanese Barbecue, real hidden gem when it comes to dining in the Hill City, and so much more, InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, other news on which to update you in college football and NASCAR in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. These ones might sting for the Virginia Tech Hokies. One, a couple days ago when the ACC started announcing their football awards. Louisville center Brian Hudson voted the Jacobs Blocking Trophy winner given to the player who is deemed to be the most outstanding blocker in the ACC according to head coaches and defensive coordinators who have to scheme against the offensive line. First of all, I love how that award is set up, which is phenomenal. But second, he's a guy who left when you had the coaching staff change. And the interview is way in the archives at Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. We archived it after we spoke with Brian Hudson at the 2023 ACC football kickoff. But it's a guy where Virginia Tech still would have liked to have had because 
He's versatile enough to play multiple positions. He's probably a swing interior offensive lineman at the next level. He's played center, but could play the guard spot. Don't know if he's quite athletic or big enough to play tackle, but he's got versatility at the next level. Second, Virginia Tech could use that right now. Um, I don't know if there's much you can do. Sometimes you just go through coaching staff changes and those type of transfers happen. More on that in number four. But that is one of the realities of this for Virginia Tech. Speaking of other awards that might also sting, Rookie of the Year awards and Defensive and Offensive Player of the Year awards were announced in the ACC. Players of the Year. Offensively, Jordan Travis. I get it, late season injury stinks, but he deserved to be Offensive Player of the Year. He was handily over Malik Washington of Virginia. To the victor goes the spoils, and Florida State had many more victories than the Virginia Cavaliers. Also, in the overall player of the year, Peyton Wilson was second, but uh, you can clearly make the case that Jordan Travis had a greater impact at quarterback than Peyton Wilson did as the leader, but still part of a very stout NC State defense. Now, here's the other one. I have no problem with Peyton Wilson being defensive player of the year, Trey, for the ACC, but this is where the old stats don't tell the whole story part comes in. But Dorian Strong, who was one of the best cornerbacks in the ACC, to the point where he wasn't targeted all that often over the back half of the year and therefore doesn't put up very many numbers. And yes, I'll dismiss PFF grades, even though it's ironic. Some people will take that into consideration with these votes, even though uh, you know me, I laugh at some of those. But uh, Dorian Strong is a guy that's got NFL attention. I'd be shocked if he comes back to Blacksburg next year. I don't think he's transferring to another college. I think he's transferring up to the National Football League. But you don't have the ability to put up those stats, whereas linebacker by default is a position where you're going to get a lot of tackles. You may get some sacks and some pass deflections and interceptions. Peyton Wilson more than deserving at NC State, but if you're wondering why Dorian Strong was never mentioned, that's why. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Wilson might win, like, the Benaric Award or, or the Nagurski Award as, like, the top defensive player in the country. So it's kind of not, it's kind of hard to not pick him. A quick one for number three at the quarterback position. Number three. But rookies of the year in the ACC. Ruben Bain for Miami. He was fantastic. No issues there. Casey Concepcion for NC State, who apparently got enough NIL money to keep him around. He is not going to transfer. He says he is going to stick around. In for now. For now, at least, until maybe he gets Order words of our guy, Kenny Powers. Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. But as of right now, Casey Concepcion slated to stick around at NC State. Ruben Bain, he's at Miami. Obviously, we know their NIL situation. Look, I have no problem with Anthony Colangelo only getting two votes for Rookie of the Year and only getting four votes for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I get he provided a spark to Virginia, but they only had three wins. He wasn't great in a number of key high-leverage moments, like in the fourth quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter against Maryland, like the entire game against Georgia Tech when he came in. I get it was off the bench, but still, that would have been a spot to provide a spark, and he never did nor did he provide much of anything outside of bulletin board material for the Hokies in that 55-17 route up in Charlottesville this past weekend. Okay, yes, I understand some excitement because Calandria can be a spark plug, but I think the jury is to a large extent still out, and I get why he was not highly regarded in either overall ACC Rookie of the Year voting or Offensive Rookie of the Year voting. By the way, keep an eye out for this. Cam Robinson also got four votes for Defensive Rookie of the Year. If I'm targeting guys, he showed enough athleticism and explosiveness to where he clearly stood out on that Virginia defense. I would more than expect somebody who's coming at him for NIL. Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. Now, whether he acts on that or not, that's a different story. Speaking of transfer portal and potential 
Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Going to those individuals. Number two. Quarterbacks galore have started to enter the transfer portal. Will Howard from your school, Trey, not your alma mater, but the other one, Kansas State. He's in the transfer portal. Here's one that is just shocking, Trey. Tyler Van Dyke from the Miami Hurricanes. After their whole merry-go-round quarterback situation, he wanted to get He out. could end up in the ACC I mean, still he, with a team that uh, is in Dallas. Yes, he very well could because that offensive coordinator in Dallas recruited him there. More on that uh, a day or two. And they have dollar-dollar bills. Yes, they clearly have dollar-dollar bills. The infamous quote on SMU joining the ACC and forfeiting their media rights money for seven years is, quote, when you're worth a couple billion dollars, what's a couple hundred million? That was the infamous quote in the athletic. But other guys who transferred at the quarterback position and more noted, Riley Leonard out of Duke, not a shock because their coach left, and Grayson McCall. Apparently, he doesn't piss enough teal. Yes, I am cursing, but that is a phrase he has used, so I'm paraphrasing him. Um, but apparently, teal is not fully in his veins because he's transferring from Coastal Carolina. First of all, for Liberty, obviously your ideal scenario is keep Caden Salter around. I don't know how his graduate work looks right now if he's graduated, but he's already transferred once from Tennessee to Liberty, so to transfer again and have immediate eligibility, I presume he needs to be a grad transfer. I don't know enough about Caden Salter's academic standing on whether that's a viable situation and option. Uh, he's got a couple of years of eligibility still remaining. Um, I actually think maybe next year is more likely because he could transfer out of Liberty after next year. They've got the kid from IMG Academy who could come in and take over as a freshman and fits the system that they ask, and you couldn't ask anything more, even if Salter transfers out now from Liberty, than what he's given them this year. But if you could repeat that next year, even better. Um, McCall, could he go somewhere? Sure. Do I think Liberty's on the, the short list? Not given what they've seen out of Caden Salter. If Salter leaves somehow, then yeah, maybe McCall's in contention. But I think he'll command more money from a bigger program, much like Riley Leonard probably will do that as well. And according to all the rumors that are out there, it's Riley Leonard on the way to Notre Dame in the Sam Hartman mold. Well, Auburn from popped up. Uh, on three reporter reported Auburn as another possibility, but yeah, it looks like it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame looks like a possibility. I actually think Grayson McCall to Auburn. There was a lot of smoke around that last year, um, and maybe it makes even more sense now because Auburn, they've got a highly talented four-star quarterback coming in as a freshman, but you'd ideally like that guy to be able to sit, play up to four games, but still stay as a redshirt, get some experience, and then be ready to go. McCall would be a real good one-year rental and clearly an upgrade over what Auburn had at the quarterback position. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. NASCAR. Oh, speaking of the theme of the day. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. They get $7.7 billion worth of new media rights. And the new deal that will kick in from 2025 through 2031. The average annual amount that NASCAR will be making from their media rights is $1.1 billion. First 14 races of the year to Fox Sports. Mid-portion of the year is split between Warner Brothers Discovery, which has Turner, TBS, and uh, Max to stream on, plus Amazon. The CW is also mixed in there with the Xfinity Series coverage and NBC Sports to wrap up the Cup Series season. Trey, this is a 40% increase for NASCAR from their media rights deals that are about to expire. In an era where flat ratings are considered good, in an era where we've seen the networks trim the amount of dollar, dollar bills, y'all. They are going to offer to various properties. I give a major round of applause to NASCAR 
for pulling this off. I'll be the first to admit, I was wondering where this was going to go and how it was going to end up. By the way, kudos to Sports Business Journal for being the first to break this and our guy Adam Stern over there. But for this, for NASCAR, a 40% increase in media rights deals given the media landscape, the saturation that's out there in terms of options, and for NASCAR to by and large still maintain a linear presence, but get a little bit more into the digital game. I mean, look, I don't know all the details and maybe more will come out in the future, but given that NASCAR is trying to get more money to their teams and the teams wanted, this seems like as good of a coup as you could expect from a sport in NASCAR that frankly struggled with TV ratings this year, had some bad luck go their way, but yet they still command a great deal. Yeah, I think their core fans will figure out how to get to watch the product. I think one thing is like if you want to break out their TV deal as a whole, like you want to include the CW into this or the Xfinity series deal, truck series is staying on Fox. So it's like their best racing product in terms of watching it on TV is the Xfinity series. And that's going to and that's going to have the most access in terms of television, right? Like in terms of Traditional TVs. TV. Yeah. Cause it's on the CW and then your, your marquee series, it's going to be on four different products, which is, I think a good thing getting onto Amazon. You're basically, it's the NFL and NASCAR that are on Amazon right now in terms of live sports. It's a really good thing. Max wants, Turner wants to push Max. And that, what's what's the only other thing that, or two other things that are on there? The U.S. soccer, which is a, a big thing because it's the U.S. soccer, and the NBA. So you're getting in bed, not just with big players, but players that are going to use their platforms, use in the NFL and the NBA platforms to promote your product, which is a really good thing as well. So, uh, you know, and TNT brings some nostalgia if you're a mid-2000s fan, like before... Uh, they had the summer series on TNT, so that that's a cool thing to bring as well. I think this is a really good deal for now. I think they 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 got as much as much money as they could probably possible without signing maybe like going to Amazon for the entire series. So which they weren't going to do. They wanted to keep that linear front. This is I think this is like basically the best case scenario for NASCAR across all three series. Very well explained. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, Dame then Doug. Damien Sortelot of NewsAdvance.com. Whoops, not anymore. Roanoke.com, formerly with NewsAdvance.com. We'll ask him about his time, though, at NewsAdvance.com. And if he's met some of those former Liberty coaches yet again down at Auburn, that when we return here in the Fast Lane. 